This series of Thanks a Million is brought to you by our sponsors, Sweaty Betty. Now, as I sit here, I am wearing some of my favourite Sweaty Betty power leggings. If you haven't heard of them, this is a pair of leggings so popular that one sells every 60 seconds. Yes, every 60 seconds. Unless you've tried them, I think it's pretty hard to understand just how bloody great they are. They really sculpt your bum like no other pair that I have tried. And honestly, I've tried a lot and I've got a bum that needs sculpting. It's quite flat. It runs in my family. I'm over it. Anyway, they're stretchy and there is not a camel toe in sight, which I for one am very thankful for, as I'm sure are passers-by. Now, they've just launched a high-waisted version to really support your core and... Suck it all in, which I'm all about right about now. And although I stick to the black ones, there are a ton of colours and prints over 20, to be precise, that you can choose from and three leg lengths. Holy grail. I like a bit of a flash of an ankle. If you want to try a few pairs, you can also get free returns. So knock yourself out, bundle them all into your basket and have a little fashion show at home and decide which ones you want to keep. Now, Sweaty Betty thankfully, have given me a 20% off discount exclusively for listeners of this podcast. So if you want to give them a try, use the code THANKSAMILLION at checkout. Thanks a million. Early morning walks with my little fam. A sneaky face gym cheek massage and big chairs, deep ones. There are a million things I'm thankful for today. But what is my guest thankful for? Both those situations have been an eye-opener into the power of talking about, you know, motherhood and about the struggles and realising that sometimes the judgement that we feel is actually more on us. It's our judgement that we feel. I'm Angela Scanlon and welcome to Thanks A Million, where we explore our guests' personal gratitude lists to find out the things that have shaped their lives. Gratitude is your soul's superfood, but cheaper than goji berries and twice as good for you. In this series, we talk thanks with the good, the great and the grateful. Today, we've got another queen in our midst. She's an actor, a hugely successful best-selling author, host of the podcast Happy Mum, Happy Baby, and an actual queen of the castle. After winning I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here in 2020. Have you got it yet? That's right. It is Giovanna Fletcher. If you don't already know her, Giovanna is also a mother of three with her husband Tom Fletcher of the band McFly. It's all about you. It's all about you, baby. He wrote that for her. I know. Very cute. As well as parenting, they write books together. Eve of Man, The Eve Illusion and the one currently being written to watch this space. Giovanna's podcast Happy Mum, Happy Baby is regularly at the top of the podcast charts and has had over 13 million downloads to date. Before we get into the episode, what three things are you, the listeners, thankful for? Fluff Cloud says seeing three swans flying directly overhead yesterday, the buds in the hedges and snowdrops in bloom. Oh, that's a romantic little stroll. Breed pollen. Drinking coffee in bed, warm blankets and getting to eat a burger. Ruth O'Connor says choosing to splurge and being able to. To treat my son to the Lion King show after a tough year. Birds on my balcony signalling spring and looking forward to dinner in a friend's house at the weekend. Love them. Keep sending them in to me on Instagram at Angela Scanlon or you can hashtag thanks a million trio. So Giovanna, we go to different places here. Being out of action and doing nothing and our sometimes inability 
to do that. Theatre school and being proactive about what you want. This was a real, I think this will be really inspiring for anyone who wants to get into the industry and feels like they have to be chosen. And of course, we talk about motherhood, judging yourself and how the kindness of strangers has helped her. Listen up, we can all take these tips, motherhood or not. Welcome, please, Giovanna Fletcher. I was just saying to producer Louise when she was like, I must just check if her microphone's plugged in. I was like, you know, she has a pretty big podcast of her own. I feel like that. And then I'm sitting here chatting without having pressed record. So, hey, there's a reason for those things. You look fresh. Thanks. I put makeup on today because I was seeing you. Well, thank you for doing that. Talk to me about your injury. Well, I was on stage in 2.22, a ghost story at the Gilgood. Uh, and there's just this part where I meant to come through this set of French doors and I bash my knee. And as I was coming through the French doors, the foot that goes is meant to land um, literally just rolled. Rolled, heard a massive crunch or crack, instant oh. pain. And my next line is, ow, fucking hell, I hate those fucking doors. And I have never in the whole run done it with such conviction as I did in that moment. And I literally, you know, when you sit in the moment, I was like, what do I do? Like, do I carry, like, I am in so much pain right now. And thankfully, she is meant to limp, at least in that scene, like a little bit. Okay. I literally limped like a wounded animal throughout the rest of the play. Because oh every time I came God. off, I was like, I have really done something. But if I, if we do a show stop, if I take this boot off, I knew yeah. that there was no way I was going to be putting it back on. Absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, I, I finished the play, which is a bit ridiculous. Uh, but so, I have... And were you like ready to pass out? It was so painful like ridiculously oh painful um I, I got a um a message actually on instagram the following day saying that someone had been in to see the matinee and uh <laughs> they said you know performances were amazing and blah 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 and they said and they loved the fact that you know you were so in it that the emotion didn't leave you uh <laughs> during the curtain call properly <laughs> like, <yeah>. method <laughs> bawling <laughs> I was literally like, do we have to go on and get off bow twice? Come on. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. So you never revealed it even at the end. I guess no, you didn't I know just, what the level I, was. Literally. I mean, the end of the play is really emotional anyway. It's where everything kind of falls apart. And uh, and I literally was just bawling my eyes out through the whole thing. I don't I don't know how I did it. It was on, I was kind of on autopilot, oh that muscle memory that you sort of pull, pull on, I guess. And adrenaline, um, I suppose, yeah. overriding everything. Yeah. And also that little bit of being professional and kind of going, well, get on with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, Giovanna, are you thankful for today? Well, actually, I know health is not a good one to do because, you know, we've all, we're all very aware of our health right now. But I am actually, it is my ankle. I'm really grateful and thankful for the fact that it didn't break. So James Buckley, everyone, they, when I left the show, they were all being very, very positive about it, you know. Don't worry, you're going to be back real soon, nothing to worry about. And I was sat there in A&E going, but what if it's broken? What if it is actually broken and that's six months of a broken ankle? So health in a way of how strong your body can be and how it can recover if you give it time. And I'm someone who I don't give time to things like that. I, don't, I definitely don't give my body or anything like that enough time. I'm, you know, I'm constantly on the go and, you know, trying to be really productive and, you know, fitting loads of things into my day and, and actually, this has been the most unproductive time, I would say, in the last 12 years. Yay! I am so for unproductivity at the moment. I got COVID right. at Christmas time. 
and I was wiped out for a week and I couldn't leave my bed. And I was like, okay, either I can torment myself on Instagram looking at people in the bloody Maldives are having roasts with their family and like champagne or I'm going to just switch this off I'm going to watch Emily in Paris I'm going to do like really sloth like no expectation just actually sit in the kind of sit in your own filth a little bit and rest (laughs) (laughs) and it was actually so uncomfortable initially because I was like no I should be doing things and I'm definitely going to make a list and I should do a manifestation (laughs) course at least while I'm out of action or whatever and then I thought no fuck it I'm going to take a week and do nothing and fall asleep when I need to fall asleep and like allow my body to to heal and to just rest which I think we have connotations of rest as being lazy and sloth like and filthy Mm -hmm. no I came back in the new year with a kind of like vigour and excitement that I haven't had and it was directly I think as a result of having properly rested not you know pretend rest but it's definitely that thing of just kind of going I'm really tired now I'm going to sleep, like, just really listening to your body. Yeah. Is it hurting? Should I? And I don't think I've done that ever, but I would definitely say that yeah. Netflix has definitely got me through, um, you know, just like that I've been mm-hmm. watching, which isn't Netflix, that's something else. Uh, but Emily in Paris. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Brooklyn Love Nine-Nine, us. which Stephanie, who's in 222 with me, is in, and I've never watched it. So I watched the first series of that. Then I've also watched Super Great. Superstore. Have you ever watched it? It's no. very good. So I'm writing it's, it down uh, now. It's properly, okay. like, light TV that can just wash Great. over you. Because people would give me recommendations of like heavy dramas or heavy emotional things. And Forget like a tiny it. little thing happened in Superstore and I was sobbing. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not in the good yeah. place to watch anything heavy. Just yeah, yeah. give me the I lightness. Froth, froth. Just froth, you know. Uh, and yeah. it's really well acted yeah. and really well written. Uh, so Superstore, I would definitely recommend. Yeah. Okay. Is there a thank fuck for this? Uh, yes. First of all, I have to say that without my phone, I would literally be lost because I don't know where anything is. I thought I had a really good sense of direction growing up. I say this actually, me and my friend when we were 13, (laughs) we went for a walk in the woods and I look back now and I think, you're so lucky, I'm so lucky I didn't get kidnapped. Uh, But then not everyone is someone who's going to kidnap children. But we were 13, we went for a walk in the woods and we had no idea where we were. We didn't have our phones and we literally just kept walking, walking, walking and we ended up on a road and we had to to get a car to stop, a hitchhike home. And we sure were miles thought. from home. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. But there's <laughs> yeah, you need the old GPS I now. I, I do. I feel like I need to be yeah. tagged, um, you know, not in a police kind of way, but <laughs> just so that, you know, if I go missing, I do like going for walks, but I am literally, I have this app on my phone called All Trails. It tells you where all the trails are around you and it keeps you on the right path, essentially. <laughs> but I'm literally, so now nice. I'm a mixture of going out for a walk and enjoying nature and just being out with it, but also looking at my phone every time <laughs> I, hit, I hit a little T. The geotag. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> just in case. So is Tom at home going, I see where you're, you've gone wrong, honey. <laughs> Take the right, that's the wrong fork. I just got an alert. Yeah. She's gone rogue again. So, yeah, so literally, thank fuck for that. I literally, I would not know where I am I, like I still the school run, which we do every day, I have to use ways just in case, you know. And <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> Stop it. Is if there's that's traffic, I don't me. know the other ways, so that will take me around. Mm, okay. But I will literally routes that I've done a lot. I would still use my map. Yeah. I think I I 
drive without thinking. So, you know, I don't see... Okay. So you're in meditation oh, while you just drive. Just out life a little bit or thinking about more important things than what road should I take right now? <laughs> oh, that's yeah. funny. But also, um, on this one, because I think one's not enough and that was a phone, uh, I've realised that sleep is actually really, really important. There was a period of time after having Buddy, so the second child, I, I had three books out that year. And I do understand now why people were like, well, where do you find the time? And me and Tom used to joke at the time, mm. but well, we don't see our friends, so we don't socialise uh, and we don't sleep. But actually we weren't sleeping. Like we'd go to bed at one in the morning. I'd probably wake up for a feed about three uh, and then the kids would be up at half five. So I literally was not sleeping, but managing to find a way of sort of getting through and, and pushing, you know, just I think when you're in that zone, you, ju- you can maintain it for a certain period of time. But actually what screwed it for us was yeah. uh, we went on holiday and uh, we were all sharing one hotel room. Uh, so when the kids went to bed, we might watch an episode of Game of Thrones, but then we were going to bed early and mm. I was getting nine hours of sleep at night suddenly. And so then when I got back, I was like, I can't function anymore without that sleep. This back. is not life. Yeah. 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 And, and also now yeah. I think I get overwhelmed with stuff if I haven't slept properly. You know, certain mm-hmm. situations, even with the kids and things, like I can manage everything a lot better if I uh, if I have had a good night's sleep, which is so, you know, yeah. meh. But it's one of yeah. the core things, isn't but, it? No, but it's also <laughs> really uh, like I think there was a period, and I think it's shifted now where people are like, oh, hang on, sleep is not just some sort of luxury for <laughs> pussies, which is kind of how it was, you know, dressed up for a few years. It was like, oh, by the way, you know, Elon Musk only sleeps four hours a night and Winston Churchill used to nap for 10 seconds and then run the country <laughs> or whatever. Like it was this kind of glamorization of people just being yeah. machines. And actually, like the physical and psychological and physiological I'm sure impact of not Mm -hmm. sleeping and overriding your body's need for that basic human thing is like detrimental on many levels it's not like a sexy thing to be like I just sleep (laughs) for three minutes and I'm fine (laughs) I don't need sleep yes you do you're not a fucking robot I've got three kids so I think sleep is a it is is a disrupted thing, and we, and we you know, we live with that. Yeah, uh, of like course. last night we had two kids in mm-hmm. our bed. Um, that just, I, I, which yeah, I don't nice. mind if they just kind of climb their way in and just end up next to you. I'm absolutely fine with that. If everyone's sleeping, I don't care. Yeah. And actually, I can remember me and Tom got you know one of those sleep apps that just te- like tracks your sleep, how much you've been sleeping, and we get quite competitive with that. Oh, <laughs> Cause, but in the wrong way. So I'd have been up all night with the kids, like feeding them or whatever. And Tom would be like, oh no, but I only had four hours 50. I'd be like, no. <laughs> you but it definitely was two were hours snoring. of REM. So. <laughs> <laughs> you were definitely snoring every time I left the room. So I think you're all right. <laughs> and, and do you have, you know, nighttime rituals? Are you into that? Or is it just like, oh my God, I hit the end of the day and I'm ready for the cot? I have only in the last year started even taking my makeup off before going okay. to bed. Yeah, that's the kind of ritual I'm on. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I literally was always like a just just get into bed, he- head yeah. hit pillow, sleep. 
Um, but no, but now I do like taking my makeup off. Mm-hmm. And also, because I realised what it was, is I didn't like getting my face wet. So you okay. know any of those like foamy type ones? It's, that's not good. But yeah. there's like, a, I think it's a pixie one that's more like a balm. Okay. So you, oh, I love a yeah. balm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. luxurious as I mean, well. every now and then I get a little bit too excited and rub my eyes too much. Then you can't see oh, for yeah. a little bit afterwards. Yeah, you don't That's want to do that. That's never good. No. Yeah. But I've recently used an eye makeup remover, side note, and it stings the living bejesus out of my eyes. I'm like, yeah. this is literally marketed as gentle chamomile eye remover. So I presume I can use it like water and then I put it on and I'm like blinded. <laughs> Like something's not working here. But yeah, makeup off. Okay, so it's a pretty high maintenance nighttime yeah. ritual. I mean, I don't wear too much makeup. And if I was on a shoot, you know, when they like, there's a lot of makeup on your face, yeah. then I do like... I love that feeling of having it on to a certain extent, you know, looking looking like a, a beautified version mm. of yourself, I guess. But that feeling of taking off and being fresh-skinned again is also lovely. So oh, I would absolutely have taken that off. I wouldn't yeah. have left. I'm not that dirty. No, no, no. And also, you don't want to see the lashes on the pillow following morning, do you? It's like, <laughs> there's something very satisfying about picking them off while watching Superstore. <laughs> Putting them on the plate next to your emptied biscuits. <laughs> Okay, the thank you next. Yes. Um, so I, as a kid, uh, our holidays were always going to Italy. The majority. Uh, it was always very much like my dad's Italian. We'd go and see the family for the summer okay. holidays. Uh, and then years ago, about nine years ago, Emma Willis, uh, she invited me on her family skiing trip, um, nice. which I thought that sounded lovely. Like, you know, there's that lovely scene in Bridget Jones where everyone's skiing and yeah. some people look great, not necessarily Bridget, but you know, <laughs> I thought it would be, it would be a good experience. And it's yeah. one that you hear so much about and you see the, you know, everyone looks great with the big goggles and mm-hmm. you know, all the padding and- It's glam. You know, the, yeah, all the pancakes with chocolate and banana and all the parties. Hot wine. Yes, like that yeah. all sounds amazing. Um, so I went on this trip and uh, and it was a big group of us. And Emma and Matt had two kids then. Uh, so uh, me and Emma would stay with them during the day. We'd, we'd spend a lot of time trying to find different supermarkets. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> we were just like, let's find supermarkets. This is fun. Um, and uh, so every, every afternoon we'd go out and we'd try the nursery slopes. I would sing. I would go down. And as I was going, something to do with the rhythm, getting to know you, getting to know all about you. So that's what my friend taught me. And I was like, amazing, go shuffle side to side. It's all good. Lovely. I'm doing good. And, uh, and then one day, Matt decided to talk us into doing this particular run. Because we were like, we're not, we're going to just stay on nursery slopes. We're happy. We're not breaking anything. And Matt was like, no, 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 we've been out. It's super chilled, like super, super chilled. Uh, so I think you should go on this run. Me and Emma were like, all right. So we went up on the old ski lift, which was great fun. Uh, I was sure that I wasn't even going to make it off the ski lift. It's one of those things. I'm just going to be the one going round and round. frightening thing, though, trying to <laughs> fly off that yoke. Yeah. yeah. So we started on this run and it was uh, narrow and steep and I could just feel my speed building and building 
and building to the point where you know you're just like I can't uh, nothing I have learned on the nursery slopes is gonna slow me down now and actually all I'm doing is gonna help me yes all I'm doing is getting faster and faster I can't sing getting to know you right now it's too fast um so uh yeah I literally the first 30 seconds I literally at the end of it turned into this massive snowball where arms and legs and everything were just flying out um and I winded myself and it was horrendous uh, I think Emma was a bit freaked out by that point her sister was a bit freaked out. all of us were freaked out but now at the top of this <laughs> like this run and uh, so the the rest I it probably should have taken no time at all judging by the people that were whizzing past us continuously but we were literally effing and blinding our heads off at our friend who was just being nice and supportive and at one point Emma even took her skis off and was shuffling down the side of the of that little bit of run on her bottom (laughs) and and we got on the last ski lift home that was and if we hadn't made that I don't even know how we'd have got down but it was it was so horrendous that that night I got into bed and I could literally, I, I, my body was doing this thing like it was skiing, like or in my head, like I was having a proper like panic attack about the whole experience. Oh so God. for me, it definitely is. Uh, yeah, thank you. Next is to the whole experience of skiing. Have you ever gone back? No, no, absolutely not. I know it's weird, isn't it? Because I still like the idea of it, but now I don't know if. If actually there might be like some post-traumatic stress disorder that comes out when I'm actually by a snowy mountain. I actually don't know because I had a panic attack when I was asleep, like in bed. Uh, Then in the car on the way there, the mountains were quite, you know, uh, zigzagged, as you know. know. Uh, And then um, on the ski lift, the idea of going back up, that made me kind of panic as well. So I don't actually know whether I would be able to go back. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to. It is quite frightening though. And I think it's a lot of the time exactly that dressed up as a fun holiday and like definitely fun, but also lethal. Yes. <laughs> and like, yes. if you don't know exactly that, someone like Matt going, you'll be fine, you'll be <laughs> fine. And then suddenly you're on a black slope and your neck, you, well, you know. You're, yes, exactly. And dangerous. there was a section of it. I think it was called Solange and, uh, <laughs> and it was red. And we were like, we are not ready for red. We've just shown we're not good for blue or green. So why are we on Solange a red right now? Solange needs to back the fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> that one was absolutely done. I think yeah. our poor friend Joe, he really like helped us out step by step, really, really slowly. But yeah, there were so many times where he was like, okay, now G, just try and swivel and go this way. And I'd be like, fuck off, Joe. Yeah. No. <laughs> but also I you're paralyzed with fear. Your yeah. whole body is stiff. And so there's nothing natural about your movement, which is no. like... Because also if you're on skis and you know that you're sideways, you're fine. You're not yeah. going down. But you can't stay in the same direction sideways that way. You have to at some point Do this. face those skis down the mountain and go oh, back up the Jesus. other way. Otherwise, you're not going anywhere. But the idea yeah. of moving anything... It was absolutely petrifying. Yeah. Um, so sadly, I was a bit more Bridget Jones up the, up the oh, mountain yeah. than I wanted to be. I yeah. feel, yeah, and I'm quite competitive and I like to think that I can kind of master things. I feel like you're, you know, there's a bit <laughs> of that. Um, and so I remember going skiing. I feel like I've got all the gear, but no idea. People would think <laughs> I might be able to ski because I have like the gear. I can picture you in the gear. 
Yeah, but like using it, not so much. <laughs> but I did once with a bunch of friends, got a bit of a scare and then like at lunchtime thought, you know what, I'm just going to have some more wine. You guys go do your thing. I don't want to be the one holding the whole group back when they're like happy doing the Solange and the Beyonce's. <laughs> so I was like, let them off. And so I had some some wine and then they came and met me. And they were like, oh, do you want to get the, the, you get the last lift down? was like absolutely not do you think I am a toddler don't be so patronizing to me I was so at that point like a little puffed up on glühwein and so I said no I'm gonna I'm gonna go home with you all and it was the best run I ever had because I was a bit drunk and I was loosey-goosey and I was quite like I don't recommend it it could have ended really (laughs) really badly but it was also one of the most exhilarating times of my life But that's the crazy thing, isn't it? Because if you think there are actually so many stops for alcohol on certain runs along the way, like that's a massive part of that culture, I guess, Mm -hmm. of skiing, um, which we didn't delve into at all. And maybe had someone had a hip flask at that time, I would have got down a little bit better, a little bit quicker, like you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Highly recommend. No, don't recommend. The thanks that got away, Giovanna. Well, uh, there are two instances, but they're about the same thing. Uh, And it's all about motherhood and being a mum of a little one. So there's one where I was on a flight to Australia with Buzz, who was 10 months old. And uh, and Tom was already in Australia because I think they'd been in Japan with McFly. And then um, they were supporting One Direction in Australia. So so they were away for three weeks. So obviously all the wives and girlfriends were like, well, we're coming. We're going Um, to Australia, guys. (laughs) We're absolutely going. Um, But at the time, I was the only one with a baby. And uh, me and two of the other wives got on uh, the plane together. And I thought it would be absolutely fine. However, Buzz cried so much. And I'd watched something on this morning, like a month before. uh, And it was this woman who was arguing the fact that she was basically saying that kids shouldn't be allowed on flights or that there should be areas for kids and blah, blah, blah. Uh, whereas everyone else is like, well, they pay to go as well. So, you know. Literally, full price, <laughs> a lot yeah. of time. So you don't get a discount on your kids' yeah. flights. It's crazy. Um, but I think that was in my head. So in my head, I was like, well, people are going to judge me and it's going to be awful. So the start of the flight was great because I'd fed him and he'd fallen asleep because it was like a half past 11 flight. And uh, the the cots on, on that airline, it was a, a bassinet and the top of it were like um, seat belts that had been laced together. So almost yeah. like a little prison, but, you know, but safe. Uh, so I put him in there and 45 minutes later, he woke up, obviously thought, where the hell am I? And then had a massive breakdown. Um, and so I tried like comforting him and getting him back in it for another hour. Uh, but every time he was even laid down, he'd just freak out. And I was sure that people around me were tutting and all being judgmental and stuff. And at the end, I, I kind of felt like, do you know what? I've actually, I've just got to listen to Buzz and just kind of be like, well, you want to sleep on me? You, you don't want to go Fine. into the cot? Let's not go in the cot. And uh, so I just went along with it. And, and I think as we were, we stopped over, I think in Dubai or Singapore, I can't remember where our stopover was. Um, but a woman came over to me, after me feeling like everyone was judging me. And she just said, you're doing a really good job. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, that just meant so much. So going back onto the next half of the flight, it just made me realize that actually not everyone is there judging you, you know. Yeah. And then similarly, 
in Disney once. I don't know which one it was, but either way, we were in a restaurant and he would not stop crying. Uh, and you know when it's it's your responsibility, the mum sweats that you get as well in that situation. Yeah. It's just, it Eyes takes over you. your, yeah, your whole body just, it's that horrible, horrible feeling. And all you want to do is help your child, but at the same time, you can feel that energy around you of like oh she doesn't know what she's doing you know <laughs> and those people oh is he tired oh mm -hmm. is that child is hungry <laughs> yeah like, no he's literally he's just, just had my boob in his mouth yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and um and I remember taking uh taking him outside and just kind of stepping out out of the restaurant and another mum just was walking by and she just put her hand on my shoulder and she said it will stop you're doing great and just carried on walking and it just made me realise that I think, I think a lot of us, when we see parents in those situations, we can kind of get our head down and go, oh, I don't want to embarrass them. Just keep going, keep yeah. going. But actually... Pretend it's not happening almost. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. actually, I think taking a little bit of time out, just literally throwing a sentence in their direction, you know, oh, I've been there, you know, just whatever it is, it can change that person's emotion within that second mm -hmm. huge lead suddenly the world isn't against them the world isn't judging them they're yeah. a bit kinder on them themselves as well that's de definitely what happened to me in that moment both those situations have been an eye-opener into the power of talking about yeah. you know motherhood and about the struggles and um, and actually realizing that sometimes the judgment that we feel is actually more on us it's our judgment that we feel directed um, towards than... ourselves yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah but even you saying that I feel quite emotional listening to those things and I can relate and I'm sure anyone who's a mum can relate to those moments where you feel like you're doing it wrong it's yeah. things are out of control people are watching you people are judging you you're thinking oh fuck I don't know what I'm doing and all you want to do is cry and sit down and somebody to mind you but like yeah. that's your gig <laughs> You're yeah. <laughs> the baby's crying you've got to sit down and mind them and actually that like acknowledgement from somebody or a wink or a smile yeah. or a you've got this like you're doing a great job rather yeah. than oh my god that woman on the plane and the child crying it's like just a tiny little nugget of kindness that actually yeah. allows you to go oh thank or if you see someone struggling okay. like physically with a chair or something, like I'm now always one of those people that goes over, though obviously you should be careful with who you do this with, but kind of yeah. like, can I help in any way? Can I hold anything? I have I have passed children to strangers in airports. I mean, yeah. my, my mind, they can't go anywhere. We're at security, but I do exactly. need to put this pram up or down right now and I'm traveling yeah. on my own. Um, you know, I think, um, yeah, the, the kindness of strangers, I think, is huge. Because they are the thanks that got away, it makes yeah. those moments a little bit more magical. Yeah, it is lovely. And actually a reminder that we should, yeah, do that ourselves when we see somebody yeah. in need. I saw somebody recently at Bill's. She was had a brand new baby and her um, breakfast arrived out. I think she might have been with her dad and it was like a meet-up and he was, you know, all over the baby. and da, da, da. Then she went to, to feed the baby food arrived dad like took it in and and I could see that she couldn't like really eat her food and it was sourdough toast and avocado I was like there's literally no way that she can get that in her mouth right now while she has her hands not free or one hand and I was like do you want me to do you want me to cut your food and you could see oh. she was like She's like, no, oh my, I'm okay. I think she was too embarrassed to actually accept it because yeah. it feels like such a childish thing. But you remember, you're sitting at a table yeah. 
with the baby and everyone's eating and chatting and you're slightly trying to like one-handedly <laughs> cut a bit of steak or whatever you're eating. Yeah. And just take the quite, steak with one hand. Exactly. <laughs> <Okay. God. laughs> um, but like vulnerable and in need. Mm. And I think that evokes a lot of emotions in us as mums. You're like, oh my God, I'm so dependent in many ways on people. And that can be quite hard to say, sorry, would you mind, would you mind cutting my food? Sounds but also so I think the little things like that though, I think it, that is where, you know, the whole idea of not asking for help or not sort of putting your hands up and going, oh, I'm struggling. Like little yeah. moments like that, where they, where it stems from as well. Like she okay. could have easily just gone to her dad, dad, do you mind cutting up my food? Do you mind helping a little bit? Or, you know, this yeah. is the first hot meal that's been, seen as you're here, would you mind holding the baby so I can just While I in? eat in <laughs> peace for once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's that pressure we put on ourselves to do everything with ease, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I feel like Instagram has a big, you know, that kind of portrayal of, and I know Happy Mum, Happy Baby was, you know, the motivation for that and the book and everything came from that kind of sense of mm. oh, it's like it it can look picture perfect you can edit your life and portray it online to look you know like that little bubble without yeah. all of the you know other stuff yeah, yeah, yeah but it's a kind of disservice to all of us isn't it I think so I really think so because in those moments yeah. where everything when it where it is all a shit show and it's all going wrong mm. you feel like it's you and you're you're the only one that this is happening to I think it's being done actually a lot with humour on Instagram and, and TikTok at the moment. It's interesting how I feel like there's been a shift in conversations, you know, and now I feel like there's a whole big chunk of women that have found comedy in it and with yeah. their little sketches and stuff. And, and I love that because it's that little bit of kind of go, yes, that's totally right. And you go about mm -hmm. your day feeling that little bit, there's that little bit of buzz, there's that little bit of feeling uplifted. That's not yeah. about comparing yourself to anyone else. It's just going, yeah, I get that. That's yeah. funny. That in that and that I think the first time someone else told me about struggling with shoes and the ridiculousness of you know, you know, if you think about your mornings five years ago compared to now, where <laughs> you know, the first half hour of the day you are debating with someone about their teeth brushing or putting socks and shoes on or getting dressed or whatever or taking They're a dirty pull up together. off you know where they just assist insist on what you know all those silly things yeah. I think if you can find the humor in it it kind of it, yeah it just helps you kind of go yeah actually I'm not the only one uh, yeah. and that is why it's ridiculous and funny yeah <laughs> it's absolutely fine We're, <laughs> this too shall pass <laughs> yeah exactly as they say uh, the big thank you so when I was 12, I saw Sylvia Young on um, Live and Kicking, but she was talking about the school. And I remember at the bottom of the screen, the number to get a prospectus just like flashing up. And I remember phoning up, ordering the prospectus and it coming through and uh, hearing about scholarships and stuff. But I remember sending off the prospectus without telling my mum and dad that I was even phoning up for it. And then it arriving and then finding out about scholarships, applying, and then this date coming through. And it's just going to my mum and dad, so we're going to London. <laughs> and, you know, so I did the audition. And at the time, like, I, I didn't, what well, I didn't dance. I still danced like a four-year-old, just jumping up and down. That's my happy dancing. And it's so interesting as well, because years later, I then helps with the audition panel, like, helping right. people through and um it changed dramatically to where people were having to join in with big dance lessons and stuff whereas okay. for me it was a case of can you touch your toes <laughs> I was like yes I can <laughs> yeah on one side <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, so first of all, I got a letter of just say, really sorry, but you know, you've not been accepted and just being really bummed out. And then getting home one day and mum had had a call to say, the scholarship is gone. However, there are other deals that Sylvia does where you you pay half of your fee, half of your school fees, okay. and the other half you kind of earn back through the agency. So Sylvia deal, Sylvia sorts it out, and then over time, the whole time there, if you get acting work, they'll take a little bit extra each time just to pay for your fees. Yeah, it literally felt like absolutely incredible. And like going to the school back then, this is, and that, the school is actually where Tom proposed to me um, years later. But is that where you met? Yeah. So my yeah. That, and that's why it's my big thanks Aww. because. I literally, so I I started at 13 and I don't know where life would be, where I'd be in life now. I feel like that was a massive changing point. And, um, you know, on my first day of school, I sat next to Tom, you know, he chatted me up straight away. Um, And, you know, now, like our lives are obviously so intertwined. We've known, we've been in each other's lives longer than we haven't. But that I think the massive thing that Sylvia's gave me what, there's so many lessons that come from it. There's the professionalism, which as a theatre school kid, I think people assume that you are you can be up yourself, you can um, be so self-centred, you can be big, you can be loud, you can be quite annoying. But actually, Sylvia, Sylvia took away a lot of that. If people were getting too big for their boots something would like there'd be a shift it would be addressed you know we weren't allowed to be giving air kisses out in the corridors and being all lovey-dovey uh you know it was quite a strict school in that sense you know so disciplined kind of the discipline yeah Mm. and also because academically they wanted us to to do well as well um so monday tuesday wednesday was the academic stuff and then uh thursday and friday was all the dancing and singing and the acting i mean the Um, dream ah it was amazing and i think you know i think it infuses that sense of storytelling and just looking at life i think in a very different way And, and for me as well so it was the first time i'd been with a group of people who everyone had the same passion Whereas before, you know, at normal school, that wasn't the case. And I went back to the, my normal school to, to yeah. do my um, A-levels, which at that point I, I discovered clubbing. Uh, so I didn't do <laughs> as well as I was predicted. So after Sylvia's, I went back and did my A-levels. And after that, I went to Rose Bruford College to, to do an acting degree. After I got my predicted grades and then I got a place at Rose Bruford, I can remember phoning them and being like, just so you know, I'm definitely not going to get a B in my maths A-level. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no, 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 you're fine. <laughs> it's unconditional. And I was like, thank God. Yay! Okay, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> unconditional. Oh, shit. Do I even have to do it? <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. But also the foresight or the determination as a 12-year-old to go, mm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get that paperwork. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to do the thing. That's like, because c- kind of does prep you for the life that you've you know, that you've created because it is in the initial stages, particularly, I'm sure things come to you now, but you know, you're, you're hustling, aren't you? You're your own little business. And I can remember Mm -hmm. hearing that at Rose Bruford, like having someone in to do a talk and, and that was, that was, those were literally their words. You are your own business and you need to think about what you're putting out there, how you sell it, you know, you, you're the one that has to make stuff happen, you know, initially. And I know, you know, we're both very lucky to, be where we are now but there's definitely those moments where 
you know, I, I was saying to someone the other day about acting, actually, the amount of mail outs that I would I used to do, relentless mail outs yeah. to people who you know now that they wouldn't even open it. You know, mm -hmm. you were just praying that they'd land on someone's desk at the right time. Yeah. There was one point where I went to postcards because I thought they don't even have to open an envelope. My face Boom. would be right there and they'd be like, I'm casting this thing. There she is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny. It's that kind of like wild ignorance in a way and yeah. optimism and enthusiasm. And it is quite infectious and not knowing the rules that sometimes yeah. inhibit you later on. Because I remember when I first came over, I'm like emailing agents over here. I hadn't done anything. I had no right to be represented by an agent in like theory. And I'd be like, I, by the way, I, like I really think if <laughs> when you meet me, you'll get it. Okay. And I'm sure they were like, delete, you know, the usual. I would email like literally the head of the BBC with, oh, I've just done this little <laughs> video here on YouTube as if it's ever going to be opened. But it was this kind of, yeah, blind optimism. But, but being that actually, proactive about it Being as well. proactive. Because I, I think, think the, the, the other side of it is that you, you get your job that's going to help you sustain a living and be able to live. But yeah. yeah, but you know, you, you have to, alongside that, be proactive about whatever it is that you, yeah. you want to do. I feel like there are different obstacles that come around now mm -hmm. you know now you're, you can be kind of pigeonholed as one thing and yeah. therefore these more serious type things aren't there or you just cover the of mummy course, stuff yeah. there's different snobbery I think and different obstacles that that come about but I do think that to, to a large extent a lot of what I know has come from Sylvia nice. the actual Sylvia's the actual school but also Sylvia as as a woman as well Finally, the present that you are most grateful for. <laughs> so Tom's got me loads of nice presents over the years. We actually did have one situation once where we did the whole friends thing where we were going to make the presents. Uh, I spent Cute. a lot of time making him a crown. <laughs> I painted, right. you know, lollipop sticks and, um, you know, there were little nice. those dust pipe things, whatever they're called. And I'd made the crown saying like, king of my heart and oh. quite proud of it. Then <laughs> he gave me a mulberry bag. <laughs> Had time to make anything, so I was like, "Well, I've kind of won here. <laughs> I'm kind of locked up, but <laughs> no, here's your crown." <laughs> um, for me, cute. it's those presents that take a little bit more thought. Um, so I can remember when I was about thirteen, fourteen, uh, and my sister had made me peppermint creams. Yeah, oh and it God. was so touching because not only were they delicious. But she had made them for me, with me yeah. in mind. Well, I think that's just stuck with me, to be honest. The thought that goes behind a present or goes into making it is really, really important. And the intention and the time. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a load of naff. Like, Tom didn't really want that crown, yeah. you know, but he got one. <laughs> Does he still have it? He still has it. Yeah, the kids wear it every now and then. Uh, there was one Christmas where we decided to knit every family member a scarf. So it was part of, like, a little box where they had, like, a candle. I can't remember what else was in there, like a little bubble bath type thing but we made everyone a scarf in that our family so sweet. Uh, they some of them do oh, still I wear love it that. <laughs> wear and do you know what even if they don't wear it they look at it every now and again and go no <laughs> <laughs> or 
they look at it every now and then and go, when can I get rid of it? <laughs> it can, can I take that to the charity shop or is that just a dump situation? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a keepsake. It's a hand-me-down. An heirloom. There we go. Um, thank yeah. you so much, Giovanna, for chatting me today. Um, I love your podcast, Happy Mum, Happy Baby. I know I was slightly deranged when I came on it six weeks after having my first child. It's one of my favourite episodes. <laughs> I mean, Honestly, I have, it really is. In the same way that skiing has slightly, you know, left an indelible mark, I have not been able to ever listen back to that podcast because <laughs> I feel like it might be too raw for me. But maybe, maybe... But too. it's left an, like, left an impression on my brain as well. Because can you remember, like, I had not long had my third. Yes. I remember, like, seeing you after outside management's office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was getting into a car. Yeah. And we literally had one minute together. Yeah. And in that minute, I totally overshared with you. I was like, this is going on, this is going on. Suspected prolapse, blah, 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 gotta go. <laughs> See you soon. Let's chat about it. It's like, okay, I puked my baby out my arse. <laughs> It's like, I'm not sure if that's the terminology, but here we are. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much to Giovanna. If you want more on motherhood, you can, of course, check out her podcast, Happy Mum, Happy Baby. We will be releasing new episodes every single week. So do hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice, spicy little review and tell everyone you know. Just a quick note, I have written a book, my first book. I know I say that it's punchy and optimistic. It is called Joyrider and it's about gratitude. So I figure if you're here, it's right up your street. I have poured my little guts into it. I swear to God, you're going to be shocked. (laughs) Devastated in places. You might wee yourself in other places. I hope you do. It's been a ride, hence the name, Joyrider. Anyway, I would absolutely love, 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 you know, if you're into it, that you would pre-order it. It comes out in May, so not that far away, really, in the grand scheme of things, with the pace of life these days. And there's a link in the show notes below. I love you forever, and you'll be my favourite, I promise. If you get a signed copy, I've licked it. Thanks a Million is produced by Louise Mason at Rethink Audio. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.